here at Vinyl Community Podcasts, we strongly encourage you to use protection for your pleasure. Talking about sleeving your records, inner sleeves, outer sleeves, your listening pleasure, get your mind out of the gutter. Now, stay tuned to Vinyl Community Podcasts. All right, buddies. Thank you. We are back in the building. We've got a, this is a special project and a special presentation for Vinyl Community Podcasts in the sense that I found some folks in the Vinyl Community who some I knew were KISS fans. I'm very open about their KISSdom. Yes. <laughs> and some that I had no clue were KISS mm-hmm. fans. But through the power of the community and the power of some of these conversations I've been having through Vinyl Community Podcasts, they rose to the surface. And to coincide with the last tour, <laughs> which we'll get into in a little bit, um, I thought it'd be a great conversation piece to do here, there, everywhere. I, I don't, we still got to work out frequency of how often we'll get together and, and talk about it. But I really wanted to learn more about KISS. And so I wanted to bring kiss fans some probably in the kiss army like felipe which we'll get to um, <laughs> but just wanted to learn so i brought together some really good guys uh we'll kick it off with dylan the record spinner i think this was probably the the, the, the kickoff point for me having this idea of talking kiss learning kiss i actually bought kiss tickets for the first time because if this is the last tour i'm ready i had a, i had a hookup uh, Travis, who is a great, uh, great friend, and Brandon knows him from a uh, from Billy Shop. Um, he actually may have uh, let me sneak under the fence of the Kiss Army outpost, so I could use one of those pre-sale codes to kind of get, uh-huh. get tickets. Meriden. So I will be going uh, in October. But so Dylan, the record spinner, uh, how you doing today, sir? I am doing fantastic. Great awesome. to be here amongst you guys. Awesome. And then Brandon, good friend of mine, local. Uh, I mean, if you've seen any pictures or any kind of video representation of Brandon's collection, one thing that always peeks through is that that lower uh, restroom, bathroom area, and you've got the Kiss. It's from, uh, what album is that from, the Kiss? It's a Destroyer. Destroyer Shower Curtain. What a conversation piece. (laughs) Not only when you walk into Brandon's record room, is there just so much, so much. But then you need you need you need to break away from that. It's overwhelming. Can I can I relieve myself in peace? And you go in to the restroom and there is Kiss Destroyer just right up on you. Right up on you. So so Brandon, thanks for joining us. Uh, Felipe, Felipe, one of the jazz bums. Surprise, big kiss fan. Big kiss fan. How you doing, Felipe? I'm doing good. Uh, Chance, thanks for thanks for having me. Uh, starting the discussion here, and hopefully we can can make more of those. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, kids, kids fans are everywhere, right? So <laughs> there's, there's no way around it. So you're, so you're saying like tax accountants? Yeah, like or, the, the uh, not everywhere. They're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And then rounding out the dais is my good friend Arnaldo from Fidelios underscore Frequency on YouTube, who again through just organic conversations come to find out that arnaldo is are you officially in the kiss army arnaldo uh no i am okay. no longer in the kiss army i was oh. for a brief period uh in my adult years not in my younger years um but i am no longer in the kiss army Were, was it an honorable discharge uh absolutely i think it just expired <laughs> again i think it was because um i want to say it was for the pre-sale of the of one of the tours that I joined for, you know, um, a code or something uh, in order to purchase the tickets. So I was in for about a year, got a couple of goodies out of it. Okay. Uh, nowhere near uh, what they used to give out uh, back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I'm no longer in, sadly. So, <laughs> so what you're telling me is the KISS coffin is no longer on order. Is that is that is that? Confirm or deny? No, and I don't actually. I don't even know if it's in production. Is it, um, Dylan? Do you know if it is? Um, so there was two different types. There was the original one from 2002, and then they did another line in the early 2010s. <sighs> Maybe somewhere out there. I think there's a manufacturer somewhere in the Midwest, I believe, because <laughs> that's the last I saw based on my. Research. I always blame the Midwest, Dylan. I see how you are. <laughs> I'm <not just> saying. <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate you all joining me. Uh, for this project and i think it'll be a lot of fun because like i said i am i am the uninitiated my my history and we'll kind of kick it off with that like the origins of 
of where your passion for this band came from, from youth, from a tour, from whatever. And I'll just kind of kick it off because since I'm probably the least, and I would say least, but I'm the least indoctrined of the, of the Kiss mm-hmm. fans here, I would say that I remember when I was a little kid, my, my brother was into Kiss and that was my first exposure into the band at all. And, you know, the, the, the live performance and the music and the, the fire breathing demon. I remember that as a little kid. I think I was still wearing them baby, them baby pull-ups when I remember seeing some of the video from MTV and all that kind of stuff. So, um, obviously one of the biggest bands in the world and we'll kind of touch on that too, uh, in terms of their 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 exposure and their range and and the depths of their fandom, but uh, Brandon, let's kick it off with you. Like, how did you learn about Kiss, and 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 what are some of your earliest memories as you were getting to learn about the band? Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. I think with with Kiss, you know, being around so much and with all the marketing and everything, it was actually I actually discovered Kiss in different stages and different different ages of of my life. So like my very first memories of Kiss is back when I was, I don't know, five years old, six years old, and a friend that lived in the apartment complex that we were in had those Kiss dolls, like those those 13-inch Kiss dolls. I had never heard the music, didn't even know they were a band, so to speak, or whatever else, but I was just completely blown away by those things. And we would, you know, play with them and fight them and blah, blah, blah. And I just knew these were the coolest things in the world. No idea about the music or anything. So I really didn't hear Kiss until kind of the 80s came along, because, again, it wasn't until I was in maybe right about junior high when I actually first got introduced to rock music, period. You know, I'm I'm talking Zeppelin, Aerosmith, like everything. Mm -hmm. Kiss just kind of swooped in with the 80s stuff with Asylum and, you know, Tears Are Falling and all of that. And that was my first experience of actually hearing Kiss and thinking, you know, I I like this music and I really like this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so so yeah, just between between the image that they put off in the very beginning, I I'd known them for a good five, six, seven plus years before I even heard any We're of their two and two together, sure. Yeah. That yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so, so Dylan, since 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 you are the junior member of this dais, and I mean that respectfully, um, I, I would I would argue that you're probably the most knowledgeable about this band because it is your favorite band, right? Like how did you how did this love of Kiss start? When when some would say generationally, you're very far removed from that their their wheelhouse of when they're like red hot in the seventies and and so forth. So for myself, growing up as a kid, um, my parents had VH1 on all the time when I was growing up, back when VH1 was quality music entertainment. Um, and at the time in 2000, I was only at, at the early part of the year, I was two years old. Um, VH1 was the sponsor for the farewell tour. I say that in quotations, but we'll go on. Yeah, we'll come that. to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they would always run daily segments on the tour as it progressed around the country. And I just remember always seeing it and they just stood out for me because keep in mind at the time and this is what i remember specifically some of the notable big hits of the time there was like red hot chili peppers californication that rob thomas santana collaboration like that was what was dominating the scene then and then kiss comes on with you know the makeup the outfits and the music which they just stood out completely from Mm -hmm. everything else that i was subjected to and at the end of the day, like the image and everything was cool. I mean, I will say like early on when I was young and I saw Gene Simmons spit blood, I was scared shitless. Like I, that was the scariest thing I ever saw. But the music is what got to me. And people, you know, can dog kiss all they want when it comes to like musical ability or the lyrical subject matter. But there are some great hooks in that music that make it so memorable and easy mm-hmm. to listen to. And it's so anthemic and it just gravitated me entirely. So I want to say roughly ever since uh summerish of 2000, I have been a kiss army soldier and I've never looked back since. Was, was it a particular song or was it just a total, the total, the total presentation? Like you said, it was a lot different than the music that was kind of out in, in popular culture at the time. So honestly, like most fans, I mean, newer fans, I would say maybe of my generation, it was rock and roll all night. Yeah. That that was the song that sold me. I, I remember I had it on, it was on a compilation that I had on CD called Greatest Kiss. But because when it comes to fandom, it's very scientific. I don't like to count compilations, but the first Kiss album that I ever received was a cassette copy of Love Gun. And it was just off to the races. For that was my first record too. 
that's awesome. That's so good. <laughs> well, Felipe, let, let's 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 learn about because again, I think people who are only knowing you in the vinyl community from jazz bombs are probably mm. they're probably picking themselves off the floor or they've pulled over to the side of the road hearing this <laughs> podcast because they cannot believe that Felipe, Felipe, are you in the the Kiss Army? Oh yeah, I'm in the Kiss Army. Yeah, for uh, sure. Full fledged lieutenant? Are you a lieutenant or a sergeant? Like, no, just a, in the Kiss Army. I'm just a full. <laughs> you're infantry. You're infantry. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I'm, I'm giving blood. I'm giving blood. Um, so my whole thing with Kiss, I mean, because of my age, um, I got into Kiss like like four or five, and mostly uh, again as uh, Brandon said, because of the other figures, the whole thing. So when I was that age, was 82. Everybody knows about those 82 KISS concerts in Brazil, right? Of course. I mean, Rio. there's no arenas in Brazil. So everything there is a stadium. There's not, not a show in Brazil, like a metal show. Like there's like 100,000 people in the stadium. So it's wild. So the whole country was talking about them. And we didn't have MTV back there till like 91. So everything was like major network, like sporadic uh, uh, video clip shows here, shows there. So, and kids was like scary. For like a, a five-year-old kid was like scary. <laughs> but I remember from those days uh, listening to uh, Creatures of the Night. I mean, they would have on TV all the time. I love it loud. Uh, even like a little later, Heaven's on Fire. It was a melody that really caught up. But then the 80s passed and then Guns N' Roses and Bon Jovi. It just for, forgot about kids in a while. And I remember there was like... 91 when they're coming back with revenge and i saw the video that god gave rock and roll to you too and all those like backing mem uh, images from the 70s from the early 80s that felt so nostalgic so connecting and uh, alive tree was coming out was about to come out so i never heard of kiss again and they also oh my god alive tree is coming so that was very connecting. And then I started going to record fairs on the weekends, I mean, 80s, 90s, everybody just dumping their vinyl. So I bought my first two Kiss records, I remember to this day, Love Gun, the, the original Brazilian pressing. Wow. And then I bought a record that's not very common here in the US, and I, I brought you guys for you to see. Beautiful. It, now, Beautiful. hang on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to think, is that a German pressing? No. Oh, I thought I dang it. Yeah, I there I is, a, there is a German. They, they, they only German in South America. So the German one has the, the German lettering. Ah, uh, see, I'm trying, yeah. guys. I'm really trying. <laughs> and, and I really like, I mean, uh, the, the record's a little bit overproduced. They changed the sound up. But at least to me, I'm a legend tonight, man. That, that song is so good. That's Hell yeah. So good. That, that <laughs> drum kicking. And that's how I got back into Kiss. And then I started going after everything. And, um, I even bought Alive Tree was my first CD because they oh, didn't wow. uh, they they didn't put out as a as a record immediately because in the nineties South America they're just pressing records for everything yeah so there was not a Alive Tree so I bought a CD before I had a CD player just to push my my dad to buy my CD player <laughs> and then uh, a few years later they came with a single disc version of Alive Tree it looked like a Ramones record every track was like so so tiny yeah. <laughs> But uh, that, that's how it started and to this day. I mean, I, I think uh, things that speak to the heart, you, you just have to, to go with them and enjoy. That makes sense. Now, Arnaldo. Yeah. Again, another surprising revelation that, you know, like I know you're big into the Smiths and, and you have a very, you know, your, your taste is very eclectic in a lot of ways. But Kiss, this, 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 it's, it took me aback, not in a bad way, but I was like, okay. So tell me more. So how did this, I mean, is it similar to kind of what, what the fellows have kind of kicked off? Did it started in early age? Like, how did that start for you? Well, I think I'm the oldest among the panel. Oh, oh! Yes. We better not draw straws because I, I think I know the ages. And I was eight in the summer of '76, so you can figure oh. out when I was born. And uh, one of there were three guys. It was three of us in my neighborhood that were of the same age, like with on the, within the same block. And one of us. Um, had a KISS record, which I believe he got turned on to by his older sister. And it was Destroyer. And of course, I liked the music. I would hear um, 
I believe it was at the time the radio was playing Beth. Um, and then that album cover, I was like, wow, this is so cool. But um, I was so like taken by the music that like cause that whole intro to Detroit Rock City, when we would listen to it at his house, we were imagining this kid, this guy who was going to a KISS show, you know, starting his car and then ending up in a car accident. So um, that whole, you know, that whole visual imagery attached to the music, not so much, not only the characters, you know, the, their costumes and their makeup, but also the, the imagery of the music spoke to me because right after that is King of the Nighttime World and then God of Thunder. So all of that, they were very visual characters um, that I could relate to, right? Because um, you know how kid usually kids relate to you know images and and visuals probably mm-hmm. a little bit more than to sound. I don't know. I guess usually you start teaching kids about colors and stuff like that, how to identify them. So I guess maybe that's what attracted me a lot. Um, and it, it again, it had to have been in between Destroyer and Rock and Roll Over, or right before Rock and Roll Over came out. Um, and my first record was Destroyer. So all the way then uh, Rock and Roll Over, and then Love Gun when it came out, and then um, the Alive Alive Two. In between, I think the first record that I think the very first record that I bought with my money, saving up, you know, the quarters and dollars from, you know, either mowing someone's lawn or something like that, uh, was alive too. Because I had to go backwards since I I came into Destroyer, then uh, mm-hmm. I had to start going backwards. And Alive Two was the very first record that I bought with my own money. Of course, all the other records were, you know, bought by my parents. Um, I remember going to Corvettes and just like, while they were shopping around, do you guys remember Corvettes? I'm assuming it's a record store or music. No, it's a department store. Oh, okay. Okay. It's kind of like a Kmart. It was kind of like a Kmart. Um, Mm -hmm. And while my mom was shopping, you know, in the women's section or whatever she was doing, it was a time when you could, your parents could leave you roam. Oh, around. I remember. I used to go uh, to grocery uh, shop and I go to the magazines because the last thing I want to do is hang out in the bread and produce aisle. Exactly. <laughs> so back then, you could leave your child roam around the store, uh, and I'd wander off to the record section because this store had a record section, and I'd always gravitate towards that originals album yeah i was like wow i could get all three of them all in one shot Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it was so expensive at the time so eventually i ended up buying the single albums and only like maybe 15 years ago i ended up buying uh originals um so yeah i was out i was through the whole you know buying posters in having them in my room actually the the poster the um the shirt you're wearing uh dylan that's from the spirit of 76 yes yeah i have a slightly different shot but in that same series that was hanging in my bedroom wall ah phenomenal um so yeah me and my buddies we were all about kiss uh we were all on the same page and um of course i bought the dolls um double platinum which came out around the same time it was actually right that came out right before I moved to Italy because I was living in Philly at the time. Then my family moved to Italy. And the first thing that I wanted to get were the um, the solo albums in 1978. Mm-hmm. And the record store was right downstairs from where my apartment was. We had them all on display mm-hmm. um, in the window. And, you know, I, I had to have my dad uh, send them over from the States, which they never came. And I had to wait like eight months before getting them drama i won't get <laughs> i won't get into that i was in tears when i didn't receive them in the package but eventually i got them and yeah and followed through all the way until unmasked no actually the elder uh when creatures of the night came out i was on the fence I, my my tastes were already changing by that time, I had discovered Roxy Music. Um, my my musical taste had become a little bit more refined. Uh, not to say that 
kiss campaign. You know, I'm not yeah. knocking them for you know being like that. Uh, but um, yeah, and I was on the fence, and that's the first record I didn't buy, um, where I diverted my hard-earned you know allowance or whatever to buying something else. And um, then they took off the mask, and it was like what. <laughs> and then my interest started lower you know it started decreasing quite a bit until they got into the whole hair metal phase which i wasn't vibing with a lot mm-hmm. and um and then it, it all came back when um psycho circus by that time i had moved back to the states mm-hmm. and the reunion tour was in full gear psycho circus comes out and i finally got to see kiss in 96 on the reunion tour at madison square garden wow. it was like wow. my 10 year old dream come true <laughs> um, you stepped into your true self or no it was like nothing jay because the yeah. 77 show was the set list that you wanted to see um and that's basically what they performed there was like i think they did do um new york groove during that uh tour i think that's the only solo song that they Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah but it was basically the entire i believe even the the stage set was the 77 uh stage set i think they were yeah man i remember when they got back on that unplugged it was like dude I can't believe it. I was like, trailing. yeah. Well, actually, actually, I stand corrected. It was the Kiss Regrooved that piqued my interest. Oh, okay. mm. I got that CD and I was like, wow, these guys did a really good job with the Kiss songs. And then I, I, I'm not sure if it was around the same time oh. of the Unplugged show. Yeah, I think like '94. I think. Yeah, '94. And, re- and Regrooved came out when? Well, no. Regroove was '94. Unplugged was '95. Okay, yeah, I, I know they were around the same time. Yeah, and I moved back to the states in '96. So yeah, that record is great. I think the Lemon has a little really great cover of Kiss and in, in, in that um, Kiss regrouped. Has a lot of great covers like that. The Garth Brook is the best. Uh, oh, hands is down, the best person to sing yeah. "Hard Luck Woman." Um, Lenny yeah. Kravitz's "Deuce" is an amazing cover. Really good tour, Stevie Wonder. Yeah. So they they went in to Brazil '99 with that tour. So it was already Psycho Circus, and uh, it, it was pretty awesome. It, it was like in a racetrack, so <laughs> go figure in uh, Hamstein, that uh, German band opened for them. Well, Did they also do Rock and Rio? Kiss? No, they never. No? No. Well, before we move to the next topic, I did want to ask you guys, since, since you guys, I'm leaning on you for this Kiss stuff, all of you kind of said about the merchandising, and I don't want to get too deep into that piece, but about the dolls in particular, was that, I mean, I know that guess kind of came up, particularly like with the Star Wars and the merchant, like it was all kind of a concerted effort across music and movies and so forth to have pieces of whatever the art was you could take with you, right? Like, was that something that the band did intentionally to try to hook children to, to enjoy the music or was that just a gene thing to make money? Like, what do you guys know about that? If anything? So that was kind of later around the time of destroyer. That was when there was the shift to where it was originally this band from New York, you know, leather clad studs, you know, Kabuki makeup. It was afterwards that they started to market them as the superheroes. And that's mm-hmm. how the, the Marvel comic book kind of came about. Yeah. So around that time, that's when it st- started to shift into heavy territory. And of course, manager Bill Coin was a mastermind at marketing the band yeah. to great extremes. I mean, my God, to, to, to be a kid in 77 and to say that you have a comic book of your favorite band and their own blood is in the red ink. I mean, <laughs> it builds that genuine connection, which is where, you know, with the, all the dolls and the action figures, it's like you're buying a piece of them and you get to take it home with you. It's, it's an interaction. Yeah. It's a connection that is can't be repeated by anyone else no it's, it's awesome i appreciate that so so let's talk about Dylan. you said this earlier about the you know and again use quotation marks and i used it in our little warm-up too about you know one of the reasons i felt it was it was a, a good time to have these conversations and for me to learn more about kisses like i said i'm going to my first kiss show this weekend or not this weekend this year sorry not this weekend surprise um <laughs> but later this year right and so you know it's obviously being billed as the last tour and all that kind of stuff but as you know <laughs> history has proven you know last tour is you know some some interesting words play right so i guess the first question is on this last tour do you guys really feel this is the last tour and and uh, and why is that 
100% it is. Um, just to kind of go back to the starting point with how I said farewell tour from 2000, this is factual. When Ace and Peter rejoined in 96, I mean, first off, they were employees to Gene and Paul, sure. and they signed a five-year contract. So how convenient from 96 when they first got back together, run, run it to about, you know, they did the reunion tour, Psycho Circus, then they do a farewell tour, contract wraps up in 2001, mm-hmm. prime time, yeah. sort of. But obviously, you know, as history would, would show, you know, they signed back on, they were very, you know, compliant to, you know, Gene and Paul, but then they wanted to become equals. And mm-hmm. to be fair, and this isn't me downing Ace and Peter whatsoever, but at the end of the day, when you have guys like Gene and Paul who were manning the ship for let's say 15 years, you know, since everything kind of imploded, you know, mm-hmm. they had been waving the flag. So it is theirs. And, and, and ultimately, you know, they sold off the makeup, Ace and Peter, but we're not going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. So, it, I mean, in hindsight, when you look back at like all the press stuff from like, you know, interviews and things, you know, they really, they made it convincing that this was going to be it. And then, you know, after the U.S. leg, they brought Eric Singer into the fold wearing the Catman makeup, and then Ace had enough, and then there was just this weird period mm-hmm. where it's like, where do they stand? And then obviously with Tommy Thayer and both uh, him and Eric Singer in the fold, I mean, the band's on fire for the past, what, 15-odd years or so? Yeah. But I think right now, you know, age is catching up to them. And, yeah. you know, it's I can only imagine it's tough doing a show at that caliber uh, with, you know, the armor and everything for two hours, you know, it's got to take a toll. And I think, you know, ultimately, Paul um, has been doing his Soul Station side project with all like the Motown Soul covers, which is fantastic. You know, he wants to do that. And then Gene is flaunting off his vault box set. You know, everyone's just kind of it seems like the agendas are pretty much full for once this is done. And, you know, I think in terms of the production, this tour um is by far the biggest and most extravagant and um and the most impressive show that i think perhaps if you think about it in terms of the modern standards of live performance it's yeah. state of the art have, have you guys seen it and concert this tour i've seen it twice so far i saw it in philly in 2019 mm-hmm. then i saw it in atlantic city in 2021 and then later this year i'm actually flying out to la to see them at the hollywood bowl mm-hmm. and then i am going to the final show at the garden yeah yeah, I saw the 19 to the very early tour uh, when they, they, they went here to Tampa. It, it was really good. They put a really good show. Uh, yeah. was, oh, then I saw, sorry, 21, when they, they resumed the, the tour, another show here in Tampa. It was really good. I think they're kind of perfecting, make, making it a little better. Yeah. Do you do you guys think that you know because obviously being the, the last tour, I keep using it. I'm probably not even saying how they branded it, but. Do you think there's a sense that they'll still do one-offs or even Vegas residencies? Because I mean, if the money's there, I mean, money talks and bullshit walks, right? And I, I, I would, I have a hard time. To your point, Dylan, I understand like the touring and the grind and and the night after night of doing such a very, from my understanding, a very physical and intense and and very, uh, you know calculated performance night after night. Even if you have a night off, or even if you take every other week off, kind of like Metallica does now, but. I would still think that maybe the residencies would be an option. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I don't I, I know nothing. I'm very clear. I mean, just, just talking about it from just a human nature standpoint, you know, not necessarily knowing all, all the history and the side projects and things of that nature. I just think it's very tough for anyone to do something with the passion that, you know, most big bands like that have mm-hmm. 10, 20, 30 plus years. And then when you're in the midst of it, I'm worn out. I'm ready to kind of kick back and call it quits. But then once you step away, it's like my entire identity just got stripped from me. So anytime I hear any major band, whether it's crew, whether it's kiss or whatever else say, this is it. Yeah, it's it until you're sitting at home and you're not it anymore. <laughs> That's right. You know? And you and you need that, you know, because they say it's like a drug, right? That that degree of attention. And, and you, you said it really well there, Brandon. Your identity is so aligned with what you do and how you do it and for how long you've doing it. So 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 that's why I'm I, that's why I kind of I hear this is the last tour. But I also in the back of my mind think that doesn't necessarily mean this is their last performance. Maybe it's their last performance right. at Madison Square Garden, but is this the Kiss last performance? I shrug my shoulders. Arnaldo, what do you say? Um, maybe, yeah. Maybe this is the last tour, but I'm not excluding the possibility of them doing um, short Vegas runs. Some more right. 
especially yeah. like you said, there's no traveling. People come to see you. Yes. You can set your schedule for f- three or four shows mm-hmm. and then be off for another week or whatever. Um, right. That I mean, U2 is doing a residency. Everyone's doing a residency mm-hmm. now at this point. Um, even older artists. I mean, Kiss are approaching 70, right? Yeah. Oh, no, they're past. I mean... Gene is Gene is almost eighty, I think. Right? No way, really? Okay, I thought he was like seventy. He was the oldest. I think he was like seventy-two. Maybe. I, mean, I know he's older than my parents, and my parents are like seventy-three. <laughs> he's seventy-seventy-two, seventy-three-ish, I think. Yeah, in that range. Seventy-three, I think. Yeah. So, so to your point, chance. I googled it. Seventy-three. I see my dad how hard it is to go up and down the stairs here at the house. I mean, imagine those guys like playing a gig. <laughs> Well, and, and did, did I not see recently? Maybe it was a month ago. Recently, to me, didn't Gene have like a medical thing that uh, he had, he had to sit out a couple songs? Yeah, right. So yeah, Father Time's undefeated, as they say. Right. And even, even if you're immortal, like Kiss uh, is, I think that. I mean, I don't know. I think I think it's possible. I mean, I wouldn't write it off, but probably probably I, it is their last tour. Yeah. Uh, of like traveling around and, but maybe. A residency would not be off the books. So, yeah. Dylan, since 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 you're so invested in this Matt last Mass and Square Garden show, on a scale of one to ten, how irritated would you be if, in like two or three years, one night only, back at the Garden, here's Kiss? Like, would that bother you? Because because part of, part of why you're you're super pumped about getting these tickets is this is it. This is the last time at our one of the most famous arenas in the world. I would probably go these mother and then go to Ticketmaster.com. <laughs> I mean, honestly, there's no real way of telling how I would feel. I mean, because ultimately, in terms of like, because I, I do think like the Vegas residency card is totally in their deck because this yeah. is not being marketed as the final show ever. This is the final tour ever. Yes, yeah. uh, but I, I do think there is going to be a little bit of poignancy to see them, you know, at this grand extreme of them just constantly grinding across the country, across the world for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they've talked about it briefly. I don't know how I would feel about it, about like a KISS 2.0 yeah. type group where they would have like an official tribute band basically go around under the banner. And at the end of the day, I mean, all they have to do is just sell the show. And then, you know, in terms of the merchandising, they can still generate whatever and they'll reap all the benefits. Um, I mean, there's no real way of telling what what they'll possibly do. But, you know, the entity itself will continue in some form. Yeah. Makes sense. What a, how, how many concerts have you guys each went to respectively? Can I ask that question? With Kiss? Yes. I've seen them twice. Oh, I'm for Dylan, do you have enough digits? Give me like five seconds. I'm I'm like going back (laughs) inside. Arnaldo, how many times have you seen the band? Three times. Three times, okay. So not counting the two times I'm going to see them later this year, so far I've seen them eight times. Eight times, okay. Um, Felipe, you kind of made an interesting point, and it wasn't part of my original uh, rundown, but I was was fascinated. I'm hoping you can expand here. Um, You know, talking about... Your, your your passion for this band and 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 why you enjoy them. You made a comment that Kiss is more important. I, mean, I don't want to misquote you. Kiss is, is. How do you feel Kiss compared to say legacy bands like the Stones and Beatles? Because I don't want to put words in your mouth. It was a very very direct uh, comment. Elaborate, please, sir. No, I think it's it, well, it's different. Chance like I think the Stones and Kiss are the bands that I listen to the most when I grew up. I mean, all those records that came out of the Monobox, I knew them like. Back to back, I still know them. I, I love that stuff. Uh, but I think Kiss came even earlier, right? And uh, I think it has a lot to do with the, the, the imagery, as Arnaldo said. Uh, and, and the songs are great too. I mean, they're great uh, writers and music players. So I think, like, deep inside the heart, I mean, I, I think probably Kiss is my favorite. I, I would say I, I put him. I'm not talking about quality or this or that. No, I'm just but to you, but to you, yeah, they yeah. stand head yeah. shoulders. Right? Yeah, I think Kiss would be, and then no problem about it. I, I truly love them. Yeah. So, so to be clear, if you're hearing this and you've just pulled your car in a ditch, Felipe did not say that the the band is better than the Stones, better than the Beatles. But I think it's an interesting <laughs> take on the left because because I think that you know talking speaking to what 
is is vital to you and important to you yeah. passionate to you is one thing versus you know like because anytime and i know we get in you know we're definitely a generation or at least in the vinyl community there's a lot of videos about lists and rankings and and so on and so forth which can be polarizing even when say publications like rolling stone like 100 greatest guitar players i mean i think by nature those things are are evoke emotion and evoke sentiment but um but i totally understand like where you come from felipe because i think that you know what it means to you is only to you yeah. yeah it's speaking your truth right so i can appreciate that yeah i mean probably kiss i mean i wouldn't be so much into music was if it wasn't for kiss i think so and, felipe i have to call you out now uh-oh, uh-oh. i can see behind you in your shelf i see two beatles boxes Oh, one, one is Rolling Stone TV. box and one, one is Kiss box. <laughs> there's a Kiss, the, 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 the singles there, the Stones, yeah. uh, seven inches, <laughs> the Beatles 7 inches, and the, that is the Beatles mono. The mono box, box. yeah. I, I could see the Kiss uh, singles box. I can't tell if that's the CD or the 7 inch one. That's a 7 inch. That's a 7 cool. inch. Oh, yeah, I had to get them. Yeah, I had <laughs> I have both. I have both the C- the same the CD single and the seven inch single box. Yeah, those oh, are good. Cool. Have you guys ever seen this one? This is my destroyer. This is a Brazilian original. With the label. Oh, nice. Beautiful. So one thing they did there, I never figured. I tried to read about it. Do you know why they wiped off the credits here? Can you see it's all wiped? Yeah, yeah. there's like a gap. Yes. Big. Wow. I never figured. You can see, like almost like a sharpie. Yeah, uh, it's not a MRC pressing, but there's a sharpie here. Wow, never knew that. Yeah. Well, that's how it came. And even wow. look on Discogs, they look like this. That's insane! Wow, that's weird, right? Probably because I think those are the the drum credits, right? And Gibson and Pearl, those are that's what was wiped out. Maybe, right? but all my other records, they have no issue there. Well, guys, by when we wrap up this presentation, weeks, months down the road, we're going to have that answer. I have a feeling <laughs> that somebody listening is going, to, is going to reveal that, like a Scooby-Doo villain. They're going to pull the lid off of that question right there. Mm-hmm. Too funny. Well, rounding third here, guys, uh, you know, the last thing I wanted to touch on for this inaugural voyage of, of this, uh, this KISS conversation is something that I thought – would be interesting in the sense of you, know, you guys really enjoy the band. You've already spoken to what it means to you and how you learned about the band. And, and again, separating personal choice versus professional polish versus songwriting chops, you know, taking all that kind of accoutrement out of it. Let's just go around the dais. And, and, and if you were to say Dylan's wearing his kiss shirt and he's out in public and pumping gas, getting groceries, whatever it is, just life stuff. And somebody's like, "Hey, man, nice shirt." Oh, thanks. Like, why do you like Kiss? Like, how would you how would you describe like, the, for lack of a better word, elevator pitch of explaining answering that question to somebody and 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 wanting to express and potentially maybe inspire them to go on their own Kiss deep dive on their own. So, Dylan, we'll start with you since since I called Ooh, you out right on the spot. I was going to say go go to one of the others so I can get an answer together. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brandon, 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 we'll start with you then. We'll let Dylan click this watch. If if somebody came into the shop and you're wearing a Kiss something, right? Like you're uh, River, River Bend Records, Godfrey, Illinois, terrific record shop. Go over it. <laughs> If you're over at, at Riverbend, someone's like, "Hey, man, I really like that shirt," or, or whatever, or like like the song, or whatever, something that's a gateway to have that conversation. Like, how would you express yourself in a limited time, being like, "Well, I, I really like Kiss because of this." I mean, I, I would I would probably say that I think Kiss, I, I like Kiss the way that I do because they're they're one of the purest things in my vision of rock and roll, and and what I mean by that is. I mean, obviously, I grew up in the 80s, and I love the 80s because it, it was bright. It was colorful. It was, even if you were hip-hop. Character-driven, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. And, like, you could be a hip-hop artist in the 80s. It was okay to smile on your album cover. Like, it was fine. But then, like, something happened in the 90s, which, again, I love my grunge and my Soundgarden, Nirvana, and everything else. But things just became really dark in the 90s. You know, if you didn't look like you were going to kill yourself or commit suicide, then all of a sudden you weren't, you know. On trend, right. Right. So there was this intensity about the 90s that was fantastic. There was this bright, colorful thing about the 80s that was fantastic. 
And to me, Kiss is the one band that figured out how to put all that together. I can be the demon. We can spit blood. We can spit fire. And you'll bring your five-year-old kid to the front row with makeup and you guys will have a blast. And you can dance to some of the songs. You know, the songs can be just about rock and roll and just about, you know, having a good time. And it's just crazy night. It's like, it's just this really, really pure mixture of all those elements of rock and roll in a very friendly way. So it's it's hard not to be into them on some level, no matter what type of music you like. Arnaldo, how would you answer that question? Well, both Dylan and Brandon said, you know, probably are able to best represent, you know, what your, you know, the answer to your question. So I'm just going to add two things. Like, I don't think Kiss at this point needs any explaining. Hmm. <laughs> because our license plate holder it ha- is has Kiss Army on the top, the logo Kiss Army on the top. And we're driving in the, on the highway years ago. And a guy's pulling up next to us, and he's, like, motioning to us. I'm like, what the hell are we doing? And he's going <laughs> like this. Then we kind of clicked, right? And then another cute story, um, one year we decided to do the village um, parade in New York City, not be in, but you know, and you don't have to be in the parade. You can just dress up and hang out in the village in New York uh, on Halloween. And we decided to go as uh, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. We couldn't find two other guys. So and who, who did you choose, Paul? I was Paul and Walter was Gene. Walter Gene, okay. So, uh, apart from the fact that, dude, it is really hard to put on makeup. <laughs> For the first time doing it, and we had cheap makeup. Uh, Walmart, they had the kiss. They had the kiss um, watercolor, like a starter pack or something. Oh, yes, the kiss makeup kit that year. So we buy that. We figured we're set. You know, it's the right stuff. It was really bad. But it was really hard. <laughs> it would no. When I say it was really bad quality, oh, the quality no. of the makeup. No, it came out really nicely. Okay, like good, good. even for our first try, um, it, it, I think it came out really nicely. Of course, you know, it's hard. Mine was pretty easy to do because it's only a star. But Jean's makeup uh, was a little more intricate, so I had to help out a bit because if you're not comfortable in drawing on both sides it can get a little off center so in any case we dress up and i say you know what we're not going to be putting on or improvising any costume we'll just go as dress to kill so we both wore suits had the fake um, had the fake um that had the wig and we went out as soon as we live in an elevator building as soon as we left the elevator to leave the building there were kids trick-or-treating in the lobby i'm talking about like eight-year-olds as soon as we got out of the elevator they screamed oh shit it's kiss (laughs) 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 so i'm like you're thinking and this was only like 10 not even 10 years ago so if someone if i don't need to explain who kiss is to a kid who had no idea 30 years ago was not around, you know, and they know who kiss is. Um, (laughs) And then walking around the village, I can't tell you how many people wanted to take pictures of us. And it's really sad, but also funny that um, (laughs) this is a small thing to say. Um, Well, they were asking us like, so where's one guy was asking, so where's Ace and Peter? And it's like, they're not here. And it's like, and the buddy that was next to him was like, no, nobody wants to be Peter Chris. Oh, that was cool. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So I don't know. I think yeah, I think at this point they have become so part of our culture sure. um, yeah. that one for one reason or another, either either you 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 can recognize the makeup and remember, oh, it's them. Yeah. You may not be into the music, or you know the song. Um, that. Yeah. You know, even little kids nowadays who had no idea or not around, maybe they know it through their parents. I doubt it. Because it transcends is like yeah, the parents were probably hipsters, so they're judging by their age. I don't, even, I don't even think they were kids when um, when Kiss right. was. But in any case, Felipe, what do you think? What say you that if, if, you, if somebody comes into your dentist office and and for whatever reason they've got a Kiss shirt on or something like, does that spoke? 
a conversation in you like, oh you like kiss too like how how, how would you kind of relate so, your passion to kiss so just as a quick parenthesis here uh you can cut that off later i had a patient she came uh, a couple weeks ago her name is aja aja and it is because of still there <laughs> Nice. <laughs> well, you were the nice. first guy that knew where my name comes from. That's funny. <laughs> but uh, I think that they gave uh, really good explanations. Um, again, Kiss for me is something that came like from really early age, and I think they they have this amalgam dental office. This amalgam, this this perfect combination there. Um, the music is very simple, powerful. And uh, really nice choruses and bridges. They really, really hooky, catchy. Uh, I think the, the visual is very. I mean, imagine like very young kid to see fire. Um, right, blood. All the, all the makeup, the noise, the tongue, the blood. Man, this is so impactful. It's it, it's super cool, you know, uh, to to like this. And again, I think another also defined quite well. They, they're already embedded. They're they're part of a part of the, the culture, music culture. Uh, I think they've they already been across generations, just like the Stones. If you go to a Stones concert, you see people from five to ninety-five. It's crazy. Yeah, but how many? How many know the Beatles or the Stones? Eight-year-old kids, and as soon as you see someone in oh, makeup, yeah. they know already. That's Kiss. That's Kiss. That's yeah. what really shocked me. It's like the visual has an, a really strong effect on um, anyone. You know, starting from yeah. children. Sure. <clears throat> Yes, it does. And I mean, a lot of people are doing that back in the early 70s, but they were they did the most successful way for sure. That's true. Yeah. If you think about like the New York Dolls, you had a lot of bands. And even if you think about in the 80s, right, Glam and all the guys on the Sunset Strip and stuff. But yeah, I mean, Kiss kind of kisses. Yeah. I mean, I, definitely on the Mount Rushmore of using theatrics and makeup and presentation to also like hook well, you with the music. Well, when it came to like actually presenting a visual show in addition to the music, I think Kiss were probably the pioneers at that. Um, right. Because you go to concerts to listen to music. Yeah, The Who brought in probably the most powerful sets and the biggest amplification of, you know, of the times. But not until Kiss came around that you actually went to the show for the theatrics and yeah. also the visual component. Yeah. You know, that, that reminds me, it's like a really quick story about just how that theatrics and just the, the, the imagery that they had with their album covers and everything. The first time I saw them, which might have been around 2000, I don't know, 17, somewhere somewhere in there. I don't remember exactly. But uh, I remember doing the finale where, you know, both the risers come up and Gene, and then the the uh, the drum set comes up, and they have the the two the, the seventy seven set, and I remember the first thing that came to my mind was, I'm in the middle of the gatefold, it's yep. like the live two gatefold, mm. and I, I could not stop thinking about that. <laughs> and this is after I've known Kiss, you know, how many years? I mean, I'm yeah. in my forties at this point in time, but even just seeing that image from when the first time I saw that gatefold, it blew my mind, and it just something about the way they were able to make it stick it, it just stayed with you forever all right so dylan we've went around the horn all right we gave you a time you, you got the notes you got your your prowess so, so how do you how do you in a short amount of time in a short way just express why kiss is so awesome just think of the letters. Keep it simple, stupid. All right. <laughs> the music is as direct and to the point as you can possibly be. Like I was saying earlier, you know, their stuff is full of so many hooks that make it so memorable and catchy. And look, it's basic meat and potatoes, hard rock. And, you know, that is the blueprint for a lot of my music taste. And that's why I love it. But for me, like, it's also a band. And I think this is the most crucial part. And I feel like maybe this is a given while you're a Kiss fan because they make you they give you this sense of empowerment and mm -hmm. i don't know about you guys but i have taken pod shots for being a kiss fan because yeah. even like in the comment section of my of my videos like I, I can go from talking about bands like genesis and king crimson and then i go to kiss and everyone just loves to gang up on the fact that i'm a kiss fan but and i think it's because of that it's character forming and it makes you feel like that's your band and that's something that i retained all throughout my childhood years and I would say more so as I've been becoming an adult, passing the quarter life crisis period, you know, 
their muse, the message of self-empowerment and believing in yourself has resonated with me so much at this point in my life that in a sense, it almost makes me like, it's almost like rediscovering them all over again. And, and it like almost repeats the process, which is why I feel like, especially in the last several years between seeing the couple of shows so far from the end of the road tour and um, covering all the video weeks that came out last summer. Um, it just made me love the band once again, like I did when I was a kid. And, and I, I wouldn't say like that meant that my fandom like tapered over the years because, you know, that was what I lived and breathed from childhood. And then as I got older, I got into things like Pink Floyd, the Beach Boys, Pet Sounds, my, my musical palette broadened. But then at the end of the day, you know, I can say like when I saw Mr. Speed last night, the five-year-old in me came to life again and that's you know when i listen to the music when i watch the concert films when i see a show or a tribute band that is what gives me that feeling and uh Mm -hmm. it keeps the kid in me uh vibrant good stuff well guys i think i think we've come to the end of my presentation for this inaugural maiden voyage i think it's a lot of fun hopefully you guys felt it was too and and i i don't know why i should this is poor planning on my part but you know what we should have started this with you wanted the best you got the best and i i got the best kiss panel in the vinyl community the hottest kiss panel in the vinyl community that's what i'm saying So, so, so i appreciate all you guys coming on dylan the record spinner Brandon, Mr. Hall of Fame, Absolutely. Ronaldo, Fidelius underscore frequency, and Felipe, the jazz bum Felipe, same guy. I know it's going to be hard to believe after this comes out, but it's true. <laughs> no, I almost put a jazz t-shirt today because on the on the jazz bums Fridays, I use I wear my pro jam and just to get shit from people. <laughs> oh. <laughs> awesome. Well, fellas, uh, I, I don't know when the next uh, incorporation or I guess version of this will come out and what they'll look like, but I, I think this was a good start and I, and I think oh, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, awesome. All right, yeah. guys. Thanks for the time. Take care. Thanks. Bye, guys. Thank you. We cover it all. We cover it all. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Vinyl Community Podcasts. And on Twitter at VC Pods. See you next time on the Vinyl Community Podcasts.